Fantastic Blackness is a new monthly podcast brought to you by Shante Paradigm Smalls and me, Tavi Nyong'o. On our show, we will explore all things black and fantastic, with particular attention to how and why art and aesthetics move us in the way they do. Join in the conversation. This is Fantastic Blackness, a podcast Yay. about all things black and fantastic. I'm Tavia, and I uh, teach culture and performance uh, in Connecticut at Yale University. And I'm Shante, and I teach um, black pop culture and aesthetics uh, in Saint, at St. John's University in New York City, but I'm in um, at Emory University in Atlanta for the academic year. You're on sabbatical, which is... I'm on, I'm on, yes, I'm on research sabbatical. I am reading and writing furiously as I'm trying to also settle in and um, build furniture. As I, I've, I've mm-hmm. given up and um, hired some task rabbiters to come tomorrow to build my furniture. So Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. I had it's someone do that for you. So <laughs> show up. He literally was a task rabbit. He did it in like 20 minutes. Yes. You have power tools. I, I have no regrets. Yes, I'm very happy. I'm very happy. So, uh, and I'm also very happy for us to be doing this podcast together. I'm really excited that you uh, came up with the idea and asked me. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to our discussions. Absolutely. Um, so speaking about reading, you mentioned you're going to be reading this year. One of our first segments is, what did you read last summer? Uh, what was your favorite book or books? It doesn't have to be, you know, just one. Wow. I read, I read a lot and I was thinking about this and I actually can't remember what I read, but. I know, I know. That's, yeah. <laughs> I was like, did I read anything? But I did. But um, two of the things that I read, um, I reread um, uh, Children of Blood and Bone, uh, Tommy Adeyemi's uh, YA book about um, a mystical ancient Nigeria. And I was also reading a book called Ocha Dharma, which is about the connections between Tibetan Buddhism and um, African indigenous religions in West Africa. Um, And the books actually had a lot in uh, common because they were both thinking about this quality of ashe and magic um, that's been sort of lost in the world. So those are actually books I was thinking of that would be related somewhat to um, our later, our main discussion. what What about you? Um, yeah, that sounds like more, um, that's more fantastical than what I was reading. I, um, but, but, um, I, two things I'll, I'll bring out. One is, uh, sort of like a, a dark book, what I read towards the end of the summer, which is The Nickel Boys by Colson Whitehead, um, about this very, very depraved, um, uh, industrial school, in quote, that's actually based on a real story wow. of, um, and of, of, of sort of, you know, black kids sort of entrapped in, in, um, in basically post-slavery conditions for, oh. you know, uh, and 
but it's 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 sort of it's a kind of like a it's not a fantastical story, but it is one that sort of speaks to the power of storytelling. And I, I, know, I cannot give away the ending because okay. like, it's a lot about, <laughs> I guess the connection to sort of to Janelle Monet is that it's a lot about um, uh, uh, taking on persona, the importance of taking on persona. Mm. Oh, great. Um, and, and the other book that I read that I think really, you know, connects with um, the, uh, the, uh, the assembly, the, 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 the colored girls assembled in a riotous manner, uh, which is a, lot, a kind of almost like a, a theme, or it could be a song from one of Janelle Monet's albums. Uh, but uh, Sadia Hartman's Wayward Lives, uh, Fabulous yeah. Experiments, Beautiful Experiments, uh, Intimate Histories of Social Upheaval, which is a book I just love. I've been reading it, uh, I've been waiting for it, I feel like, you know, for years, and it finally arrived, and it really lived up to her, lived up to the, to, to, lived up to the hype in terms of how to find a new, what she calls critical fabulation, where she's in a story, oh, you know? And so she's, she's how do you tell these difficult stories that are not just about re-traumatizing, you know, black, <laughs> black readers, queer readers, gender non-conforming readers with histories of violence, but also not, uh, not omitting that history either. So um, yeah. it just, it's, it's just a beautiful, uh, a beautiful text, a powerful text, and it just gets more and more, I feel like someone was telling me that, uh, this is not my joke, I can't take credit for it, but she saved all the queerest things for the very end so that the Oprah's book club would, like, <laughs> <laughs> by the time it. they got there, they'd already picked it, you know? Yeah, yeah, so, they were too invested. I yeah, love it. yeah. Um, but, um, you know. It's definitely on my, uh, it's on my to read list, uh, which is getting longer and longer by the minute, but that's definitely on the, on the top of uh, top of the list. A great book to teach, I would say. I, I can't oh, wait good. to teach it. Yeah. Okay, awesome. That's good to know. Okay. All right. Yes. I love it. Um, so let's let's get into um, Janelle Monet, you know, in uh, in preparation for the podcast, I did rewatch the uh, motion picture. Mm-hmm. And I forgot actually how much emotion actually it, it invoked in me when I first watched it. I actually think this is a little uh, personal, but I actually watched it in uh, under the influence of many drugs. I was in the hospital. Oh, wow. I had a surgery. And, oh, no. um, and I had never spent the night in the hospital before. And it was my second night. I had a great night in ICU and then I was moved unfortunately to the main floor and I was my neighbor was watching uh Fox News really loudly I'm <laughs> non- sorry non-stop um she was an older uh, person so it was really really loud and she didn't realize that we had headphones so I'm like this comes on the TV and I'm like you know blasting it so uh it was so I remember I'm um, watching it and being um uh, actually really um a sense of having a sense of pride it's really interesting around what janelle monet was doing and the uh what i felt was a um real risk taking particularly thinking about how conservative popular culture is how music how conservative the music industry is and particularly for you know black women or female-bodied people i was actually um somewhat stunned at the 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 um the vibrant queerness and the political 
nature of, I mean, it was couched in sort of science fiction and dystopic, um, or dystopic future. So that sometimes softens the blow for people. But I was really uh, surprised that the um, oh, envelope she was pushing and it, it made me feel very sort of proud of her and hopeful and kind of really impressed. So um, it was when I was rewatching it today, I was, I was thinking about that aspect of it um, and just, you know, reflecting back on uh, uh, her career. And then I had seen her most recently live last a year ago at uh, Afropunk in Brooklyn. And uh, people were just, um, she was one of the headliners, I think Saturday night, people were just mesmerized and singing all the songs. And anyway, mm -hmm. um, so uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about, um, actually that, speaking of something that's good to teach, uh, I was like, oh yeah, I have to teach this emotion picture in my race, gender, and science fiction class next semester. Yeah, you know, and in fact, um, you said a lot there, which I wanted to get into, including one important point, which is how she has used science fiction and this dystopian scenario to, I think your words were just like soften the blow, which mm -hmm. is really interesting when you think about it. You know, and I, I, the way I prepared for the blog was to, you know, the podcast was to listen to all her albums um, mm. because when I had, you know, you and I had talked about this and you'd actually, I think you had come up with the idea of talking about Janelle Monae for our first, our, our first episode, which is perfect. And I was telling someone else about them and they were kind of like throwing a little bit of shade and they're being like, well, you know, how does the music, no, no, but he was like, how does the music compare to the visuals? You know? Mm. And I was like, okay, so let me, let me take that and let me just kind of put my, my headphones on and like yeah. listen to all the albums, you know? And I think the music does hold up, but one thing yes. that definitely comes across is how, you know, especially, you know, in the second album, Electric Lady, she's trying to tell this, this narrative, right? Yeah. Through all those little, I mean, it's basically structured like a call in radio show at some underground, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, it's, it's the same dystopic scenario. Um, but it is also, um, I'm just impressed that sort of, you know, she's now moved into actually acting and doing more things yes, in, yes. in Hollywood, but how from the very beginning, this dystopian scientific scenario was like crucial, um, except for like one very, very early, early single I found, yes. which was pre, yes. you know. <laughs> yes, I think you sent. I think you sent that to me. I was like, oh, this is fascinating. Yeah, yeah I think before she, you know, but then, but since then, she sort of really, um, you know, kind of refined this, 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 uh, this persona. I mean, and both of us have seen, you know, kind of seen her grow largely through the Afropunk yes. uh, uh, platform or whatever. I mean, you know, I saw her, you know, when Afropunk was a block party on my yeah. block, you Same. know, and, um, and, you know, it's, it's definitely, um, it's definitely, she's still a part of that. Um, but it also, what is it about, her in particular that makes her so um like i guess teachable as you said right but mm. also and um is it is it what's her what's her relationship to kind of like wokeness is another question huh, i have interesting. you know huh that's an interesting what, what do you mean in terms of like political political wokeness or i just see you know like there are so many 
academic articles about Janelle Monae. Yes, you know, and they've been coming right. out since day one, you know? That's so right. there's something that's about right. her narrative that really catches the eye of people who are kind of like woke and conscious, right? And I think yes, that she, right. she sends those messages and she has, you know, um, from very early on um, and um, is, is it, um, are we all part of the narrative? Are we calling in on her radio show? <laughs> radio show. <laughs> I do think there's something about the confluence of, it's an interesting, it was an, it's an interesting um, uh, test that your friend proposed to you around the, the somehow the visual, or Janelle Monáe is now being associated or known for her visual prowess over her music because I feel actually as, as I was watching the emotion picture, I thought, oh, her music is so visual. Mm-hmm. When you listen to it, when you listen to the Arc Android or even Electric Lady, but I think especially in some ways, uh, the latest album, um, there is an aspect of her music that is, she's very, evo- she uses very evocative imagery and it mm-hmm. lends itself to sometimes very un, um, unconventional images but nonetheless it is a kind of it is a kind of music she creates a kind of musical scaffolding that is already sonically conjures up images so i think it's sort of funny that there's a challenge that she's somehow um the imagery or the movies or the films overwhelms the sonic quality um and i think i think that if anything the watching the emotion picture did make me want to go back and you know listen to the music because there is a part of that, that uh, the science fiction aspect of the speculative aspect of it that she calls on us, I think, to use our imagination. Maybe that's getting to mm-hmm. your woke question. She calls on us to use our imagination. She imagines in the present, uh, as, as science fiction does, uh, uh, she kind of explodes the, um, the conditions that we're already in. I, I've been saying to people, yeah, or the, uh, you know, we, we're living in a dystopia. We've been living in a dystopia, arguably in the West or actually the world for maybe the last, you know, 600 years. And um, what's the, the book that uh, I actually saw from you? It's about the Black Anthropocene. Um, oh, uh, is it A Billion Black Anthropocene now? A Billion, now? A billion yeah, Black, Catherine yeah. Usack, yeah. Yeah, and so it's sort of saying, like, everyone's like, oh, you know, sort of Western whites are like, oh, the Anthropocene, and it's and sort of like, well, you know, some of us have been dealing with the end of the world for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think that Janelle Monáe's, um, music and the kind of messaging um, has gotten increasingly more radical, I could say. I agree. Uh, you know, radical around her politics and, and explicit. So um, I think there is a political radicalism that is missing from a lot of other pop music. And I think she is really the, the uh, she is really sonically and maybe even politically kind of um, she really so much has taken on the mantle of Prince, um, mm-hmm. not so much in, in terms of sexuality, although that's part of it, but in terms of the you know, politics, kind of sign of the times type type music. So I, I do think that it um, she is someone who, uh, for whom people who are already you know interested in meaning making and interested in performance, interested in doing, um, are we're attuned to her um, a, a lot. I think mm-hmm. you're really right. A lot, a lot of people write about her. It's like, what, is, what else is there to say at this point? <laughs> you, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, except that she's still at a relatively early stage in her career. You know, she's really only yes. 
I mean, if you test, she's kind of three albums in, um, and, um, you know, who knows, like the emotion pictures are, are one version of the visual, but, you know, maybe, you know, maybe there will be some, I mean, I, I don't know that she's necessarily looking to be part of some big sci-fi yeah. epic film and the kind of compromises that one has to make to get that kind of thing through, you know, um, or perhaps another, actually, that's another topic for our, our podcast can yes. talk about. Is it, is it worth it trying to make, you know, science fiction in Hollywood, right? Yeah, um, right. Um, or I know because you're a big Game of Thrones fan, you know, on television yes. as well, right? So how do we appropriate these narratives that are, um, in some sense, it's not made for us. Yeah. Um, but, but we, but we, but we, we appropriate them and we do things with them mm-hmm. nonetheless. And I think that's so much of what, um, you know, her albums kind of teach us or sort of model, you know, because Cindy mm. Mayweather as a character is a kind of every woman, right? She's yeah. sort of, you know, the very first words of the very first album are something like a public announcement, like Cindy Mayweather is on the loose. Let's go find her. Let's go catch her. <laughs> let's, let's go, let's go kill her. Right. She's open season yeah. on this yeah. person. So it's a very violent, you know, premise drawing on Logan's run and, mm-hmm. um, Metropolis and some other sci-fi classics. Um, but the, um, you know, but in that, you know, um, in that scenario, there is, yeah, there's this muting or it's, it's less specifically about same sexuality or queerness. Although I think I heard this time around in the, album, the second album, uh, someone calls into the radio show and says, you know, um, robot sex is queer. And the, the host says, what? <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so she's kind of been toying with us all along um but it is a sort of you know uh because science fiction and maybe you could speak to this like how you how you encounter this in 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 your own life but science fiction as a a whole is not necessarily historically been that friendly to queers and women black women you know and so this is now it seems to be we've almost forgotten that yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> how much we've had to come in terms of taking over this space. Yes. No, that's a really good good point. I, I do I do find myself often shocked at the conservatism of uh science fiction, uh speculative fiction, fantasy, um, film, television and and books. Uh I was I forget what I was watching because I watched a lot of it. Uh, I think maybe it was um, I don't know if it was Hannah, the show on uh, on Prime, Amazon Prime about the they train little girls to be uh, criminals or uh, violent um, uh, assassins. Or was another show, and I kept I keep coming back to this. Uh, someone has to have written about it because I'm not that interested in writing about it. But I'm curious about this aesthetic um, or generic thing that when there's a dystopic community, the women there's always some like cadre of women who end up like wearing like 1700s clothing and so there's like there's always this like back to the future kind of thing where there's a regression regression for the women um Mm -hmm. and it's kind of oh i was watching um i was re-watching the film uh mortal engines for some reason and Mm -hmm. uh it's sort of a steampunk uh film about uh about um colonization and recolonization and um cities become mobile and they uh they prey on smaller cities wow so yeah they, they physically engulf them for their resources so mm-hmm. uh, and the main villain city is london um of and course. they're in tr- london exactly london is uh left britain in this film and is trying to conquer europe and uh makes it it starts to make its way to shanghai to conquer china 
So, you know, it's, it's very of the moment and of the last you know, few hundred years. But one of the things that was interesting is that many of the women um, were wearing these sort of like, you know, Victorian or pre-Victorian, you know, Edwardian uh, era dresses. And there's a kind of conservatism around um, gender roles. Uh, gender becomes more res restricted. Um, white men seem to maintain all the power. Um, homosexuality is even though society has fallen apart, there's, there's for some reason these kind of very conservative values uh, stay put. And, um, and uh, you know, the, the rebellion is always about uh, uh, freeing resources. So there is a way that science fiction, while it's imaginative and it, it, it just can't imagine itself beyond um, the long histories of, uh, of, of colonization, white supremacy, patriarchy, and so I do think Janelle Monet, among many other uh, Black women and Black folks who, who make speculative work, is actually, I mean, at, at one moment when I was watching uh, her character, Jane, five, four, whatever, and the Zen character played by Tessa Thompson, and then the Che character, the male character, and they're having this moment of, um, uh, there's one moment in the club where it's like flirting, and it's sort of like, Janelle Monet is going between the two of them. And at the end of the film, there's, it's, it's, you realize it's a freckle. And mm -hmm. I'm sort of sitting there like, wait a minute. Okay, it's one thing to have a queer relationship. Mm -hmm. It's one thing to sort of like, oh, I'm queer or I'm bisexual or I'm pansexual, I flirt with men. And it's another thing to have a, rela a stable relationship between three people, right. three black people being shown. And I, I thought how radical that was mm -hmm. um, and, and actually very, um, very futuristic. Yeah, and it and it and it, and it, it to me it sort of speaks. I think you're helping me, like understand precisely what it is about the fantastic and the speculative that is of interest to you know queer, trans, and gender nonconforming people is that it is about like the utopian, right? Mm. In the sense that or the utopian of the everyday, right? Like there's something that's very achievable yeah. about yeah. you know, but but like. Yeah, like a black thruple is just not seen. Right. Uh, this, the, 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 you know, although there's, there's nothing, there's nothing um, impossible about it, right? It just has yeah. to. It's it's it, it's um, and yet somehow, you know, um, black people loving black people is a revolutionary act, right? To sort right. Of paraf yeah. Paraphrase. Um, who Marlon am I paraphrasing Riggs? on? Marlon Riggs. Marlon Riggs. Marlon Riggs. Yes, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, you. This this is sort of a, a related, but the the male influence in in Janelle Monae's persona, right? Beginning, I guess, in some ways, with on the one hand, she has that sort of like sort of sex sex doll sort of affect in the early or stylization, but also the the the, the uniform, which is yeah. specifically a tuxedo, which is kind of masculinized in some ways, but also her 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 influences: James Brown, Jimi Hendrix, Robert Palmer. Yeah, Prince, you mentioned right. Yeah, yeah. Um, she doesn't do. Uh, would you say that she does uh, androgyny? Mm. But it's, it's not quite androgyny. It's not quite. Yeah. It, there, it, but is there female female masculinity to any aspect? Of <laughs> that's a good. It, it's a good question. I always felt like Janelle Monae. When she was in the tuxedo stage phase, it felt more Marlena Dietrich 
Ah, uh, yeah. Because it was there was there there is that aspect of women wearing suits. There's a there's a whole I think Tumblr me a, account dedicated to Zendaya's uh, Zendaya in suits. Okay. And um and how good she looks, but mm-hmm. they're they're uh, cut uh for a female body, and they're always yeah. paired with heels. And right. I do feel that the, she does look really good in the suit. But I do feel like there's a moment there is a uh, when Janelle Monae is wearing suits. If you go back to the early her earlier visuals, it's cut in such a way that it's um, it accentuates her female form. Yeah, that's it true. doesn't it doesn't uh, obscure it, which I think is I think is playing with gender and and again in 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 conservative which you know pop culture is super conservative and a conservative visual um medium a woman and a black woman in a tuxedo is a big deal mm-hmm. um but i do think it doesn't quite she doesn't quite reach androgyny but it does it does i feel like she does press against gender play um mm-hmm. by not by the concealment you know is another form of sexiness so there right. is that aspect of concealment that she played with for a long time. And by the time you get to this album, so you get to Dirty Computer, she's not, she's she's playing with concealment and, re- and revealing. Um, but she was really, I, I, I wonder, maybe this is too pedantic, but I there's there's some way of tracking kind of the concealment alongside the metaphors, um, how um, oh, kind of opaque they were. Um, opaque politically, opaque around her sexuality, and you know you get to then Electric Lady. There's a little bit more um, clarity. There's a little bit more you know kind of um, uh, specificity. And then Dirty Computer is just you know she's talking about um, you know pussy grabbed back, and yeah. uh, she's referencing you know um, all kinds of political uh, and environmental and social movements, and she's you know, basically uh, on screen with her supposed, you know, now ex-lover, Tessa Thompson. Right. So there is a, there's a kind of full, there's a, there's a way that she um, is playing with concealment and revelation on all these levels that I think are actually really, really smart. And, um, and things that she's also been criticized for, like, oh, the tuxedo and um that's Wait, like, who, who, who criticized her about the tuxedo? I think I remember when she said something. People were asking her why she wore the tuxedo, and she, I think one of the first things she said was that it was an homage to her parents' working class background, background yeah. having to wear uniforms, and and um and the kind of degradation that came with that. But how there's dignity in uniforms, and people were like, "Oh, whatever, girl. We know you're really homosexual, whatever." Mm. Right. So I think I think that kind of I think not allowing things to have multiple balances, right, and they having to mean one. That's what I mean by the conservatism of a sort of popular mm. culture. It has to mean one thing. It has to be fixed. Um, but I think she's, you know, I think she's really um, coming to uh, uh, social and economic power, so she mm. can make all kinds of choices. She can be in moonlight. She can. Um, be in uh, hidden figures. She can um, be more radical in her music and her visual presentation herself. She can come out as a pansexual person. I, I mean, I, I just think in the span of you know eight years or not eight or nine years, she was able to really uh, uh, move uh, a lot of conversations uh, in, in popular culture. Yeah, let's. I agree, and it's it's amazing that it's been just eight years, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, wondering, you know, 
who could um, someone else I've been thinking about uh, thinking about a lot who in some sense had a much rockier introduction to popular culture, um, but is worth thinking for some reason is Michelle and Decchio Cello, uh, mm-hmm. who's kind of more of my generation and kind yeah. of, you know, appear with this like very, you know, transgressive radical first album and, yes. you know, never quite found, I mean, she continues to make great, powerful music to this day, you know, but it's just right. permanently unhappy with the image factory, right? You know, it's never found, it, never found, yeah. you know, like, you know, bless her, never found a look or like a, a kind of like a way of, you know, in part, I think, because she's so grounded in, in, I mean, I, not that I know what the reason is, but it's a lot about, you know, yeah. um, being a bassist and being a musician and not yeah. really wanting to be about yeah. a narrative, yeah. but more about the sound and music. Um, although she does have that one album, Comet, Come to Me, which uh, she is very, that I think album, has some sort of, yeah. yeah, the album is, the album is actually quite amazing. Yeah. Um, and I, I think, love all her albums, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she actually, I'm going to see her in a couple no. weeks. She'll, she'll be here. She's one of the, uh, your friend, Provost Dwight Conquergood is, uh, okay. um, Dwight, sorry, Dwight McBride, wrong Dwight, um, mm. is bringing, um, she's one of the Provost speakers at Emory. Uh, so okay. in a couple weeks, so free tickets to hear her talk. I don't think she's going to be, playing any uh, music mm-hmm. um so I, i'm always curious about her that's a really interesting um comparison and, and it's not one i thought of but i think it's a actually really good one um uh, uh michelle Ligotello basis um uh you know and then you have you have Janelle you know, as a lead guitarist right which yeah. the, the lead guitarist already lends itself to the image factory whereas the yeah. basis is the sexy quiet one you know mm-hmm. um so that's a that's a really I mean, I think that, you know, artists like Michelle and the Coachella or another artist I've been thinking about in terms of speculation of Terrence Jim Darby, or as he now goes by, Sindaya Maitreya, right. at some point they step out of, he's been, he puts out an album a year too mm-hmm. um, from Italy and his music is, incredible. I dip in and out of his music and it's yeah. still so good. And I do think there is a, some people, the image factory and the, manipulation of black images in particular is just you know there there's i think they also came to be at a moment when there wasn't as much um there weren't as many tracks for controlling your image Mm. um you couldn't there weren't as many uh i mean part of what i was rereading about um about janelle is how she works with the wonderland association so you know chuck lightning and nate wonder and how they worked collaboratively to build an image, to build a set of storytelling, which I think is a lot was a lot harder even 20 years ago mm-hmm. um, than it was 10 years ago. Yeah. So you know, and, and the advent of social media and having being able to be in control of that, and that sometimes can offset some of the record company and and big corporation um, control of images and, and control of sound. Yeah, because I mean, she kind of got into. I think she's been signed to Bad Boy Entertainment this whole time, right? You know, which I mean, <laughs> I mean, if you think about being able to kind of chart your own course, you know, in, that's not the place you would go. That's not the place you necessarily go, but she's made it work, you know, and made it work. Yeah, you know, and I think, I think, I think, timing, you know, is absolutely right. You know that um, it's um, that she was, she's 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 been able to do all the things that she's done and i think the wonderland you know group has been has been key to that as well um 
so uh wow we're almost at um almost at the hour wow okay um but <laughs> any final love, thoughts yeah uh, final that. thoughts about uh Genomine and or you could just you know what's fantastic about blackness this what's week? fantastic about blackness this week? <laughs> <laughs> that's a great question um what's fantastic about black well uh i'm getting to know atlanta oh that's very, fantastic okay you know and it's very interesting to um uh, to get to know the different types of blackness. So this is my second time living in the South. I lived in North Carolina for a couple of years. That's so right. it's it's interesting to, um, someone described Atlanta as, um, oh, black folks in Atlanta as um, um, ghetto bougie <laughs> mm-hmm. or country, ghetto country bougie or something like that. So it's really interesting to um, to get to know, you know, regional blackness. So, and, it, and it's sort of um, sort of different kinds of beauty and, um, hairstyles and uh, lifestyles, so it's very different than my beloved Brooklyn, um, mm. but but no no less fantastic and black. What about you? Oh yeah, I can answer my question. Okay, so I want to stick with my um, my uh, black bougie Brooklyn uh, <laughs> and talk about the the fabulous black ladies in my um, meditation class. <laughs> oh, yeah. I went to a meditation class. Um, and, um, I don't know, it's, 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 this is a whole other conversation too about, um, you know, gentrification, which is like a real thing and, you know, often not wanting to be a part of, uh, activities, let's put it that way, that are, you know, like, do I go to that coffee shop or do I go attend this, you know, and so it's always nice to have some other like yes. people of color there, you know, even if, and this is something that I thought was like, you know, good about it, even though we're, we don't have that much in common necessarily, you know, like right, right. You know, we all had very different kind of histories. All three of us were doing it kind of more or less for the, for the, for the first time, huh. but then also all three of us were very opinionated about how it should be done, which I thought was <laughs> so, um, I love just it. Just bring a little flavor into, you know, into spaces where people yeah. would not necessarily expect it to be. That's great. That's fantastic. <laughs> okay. So this is our September edition and um, hopefully uh, in October, we, we don't know what the topic is yet, but we'll have a good topic for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We'll have to think about that. Um, Please like and subscribe. <laughs> Please like and subscribe. You can follow us on Instagram at Fantastic Blackness. Um, you can follow each of us on social media. I'm uh, Shante Paradigm on Twitter and IG. And Tavia, you are? Just Tav on Instagram. Yes. And also oh. on, um, yeah, Tav Nyong'o on, um, on Twitter. On the Twitter. Yep. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Thank you, Tavia. Thank you, Shante. Fantastic Blackness is written by Shante Smalls and Tavi Nyong'o with music and production by Alex Van Gill. Mm-hmm.